I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. To me, it meant being somebody in an internet full of nobodies. I mean, podcasters did whatever they liked. They double uploaded to iTunes, they uploaded to Spotify, and when they played podcasts all night, nobody ever called the cops. Hello, and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 31. Two. 32. Oh, I've been so good recently. Um, <laughs> A podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other wise guys as masterpieces. I am No Nose Nick, and I am joined as ever by Roger the Gent. What you looking at? What you looking at? <laughs> that would be Roger two times. Um, it's an ironic title. Yeah, it's a disguise. <laughs> <laughs> um, and today we in, have our inaugural '90s episode by. Um, Slicing garlic very thinly and being very careful who we say is funny as we explore Martin Scorsese's 1990 gangster epic, Goodfellas. I'm going to have to try very hard during this whole podcast not to, <laughs> not to <laughs> produce an extremely um, offensive Italian American accent. I do apologize in advance if I do at any point, including then. <laughs> yeah, it's now I, I have not seen uh, any of the Godfather films. Mm. So the thing that I was forcibly comparing this with was Raging Bull. I was going to say we should talk about the elephant in the room or perhaps the Raging Bull in the room because I think it's fair to say it was, uh, maybe Stand By Me pipped it for you, but for probably collectively Raging Bull was the film we enjoyed watching the least of all of them so far or one of yeah and while well i mean we'll we'll get to what we thought of it but it certainly wasn't oh boy i'm glad that's over <laughs> well i i dislike raging bull so much that i who have been a i don't know about lifelong but a a, a fan of goodfellas ever since i saw it um I was worried that watching it again, I would think, oh no, he's put me off it, I don't like it. Um, we'll get into whether it did or not. Um, Goodfellas is the story of Henry Hill as we follow 25, 30 years of his life um, in the, I forget the name of the crime family in Goodfellas, but as he becomes kind of a foot soldier and slowly works his way up the ranks through a mafia crime family in Brooklyn. Um from his days as a, uh, a teenage foot soldier up to the point where he turns state's evidence and joins the witness protection program, putting his former friends away for many, many years. Oh, at least those of them who are still alive. Well, yeah, there's not, there's not many <laughs> by that time. Um, yeah, so we're returning to Scorsese. We're returning, I mean, very much to the milieu of Raging Bull. Um, this is Italian Americans in New York. It's, uh, the same, I can't remember if Raging Bull was Brooklyn or not, but it was certainly, uh, I mean, we have very similar actors. We've got Robert De Niro returning, Joe Pesci returning. Yeah, I mean, De Niro is not, <coughs> not in a lead role, but he's, he's there and he's, he's a significant presence. 
I guess he's, uh, I don't know if he won Best Supporting or anything, but him and Joe Pesci are supporting actors to Ray Liotta um, as Henry Hill. And um, uh, I, I suppose I'd like to say Karen, oh, I've forgotten her name, Bracky. Um, <laughs> Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco. Um, I'd like to say she was one of the main characters because she is. I've actually read Wise Guys, the book, and she's sort of co-author, or not co-author, but she's co-interviewee. The thing where this really drew a parallel with Raging Bull for me was mm. what that guy can, what Jack Lobotta can do is fight. And if he tries to do anything other than fight, he's, he messes it up. What this guy yes. can do is steal. Yeah. And uh, it, it's perhaps that difference because, you know, in Raging Bull, you can say, yeah, but he was a great boxer and, and that is to some extent admirable. And in here yeah. you can say, yeah, but he was a great thief and that is not admirable. <laughs> so. But the, the interesting thing, I, I, I mean, I agree because they're both, um, they're, they're similar milieus, they're similar types of character, um, and, and they're, they're both, I don't know if this one is so much of a study as toxic masculinity as um, Raging Bull really was a, a deep study into that kind of male character. Here, the, all the gangsters are that kind of character, and it, it isn't so much a study of it as... This is the way it is. This is what these guys are. But it is, it's a similar thing. The thing that leapt out for me was when he's doing one of the flashbacks of, of the, the wise guys in the in the restaurant. You know, and you had Nicky eyes. And then I'll just go silent for a few moments as we pan across this woman who's obviously no, no interest. And Mikey <laughs> yes. Francesi. Uh, yeah. Well, what I felt... Um, well, exactly, yeah. It's, it's he's Well, the other thing, and I think we mentioned this out of character, or you certainly did, off-air is that this is, um, once again, an unreliable narrator telling this story. I think um, so, yeah. But I feel it does it better here because we have... Narration is not necessarily the best choice for every film, and I feel it was, you know, the film that really stood out to me that we've watched in this series is The Dead, where it doesn't rely on narration at all, and then it comes to the epiphany at the end, and it just it has to do narration because there's no other way of doing it. Mm. But here... I think the narration really works. It's with us right from the start. And the way the film plays with it is it can have Harry's, uh, Henry's recollections, but show you what's actually happening. So it'll be mm. like, oh, we had to go down there and shake the guys up a bit. And then you see what they're actually doing while he's saying that, which is brutally, um, almost murdering someone. Um, but the way you, you get the impression of how Henry feels about this stuff. Um, that, there's a lot of nostalgia here. Oh yes, yes, and uh, and because of as you're saying, um, you can see as it's happening. The good old days never really were the good old days. If you were on the inside, it was a bit better. Yes, but you know it, it, it's zero sum. Everything these guys get, somebody else doesn't get. Exactly, and every so often you get a glimpse. Not very often in Goodfellas, because it's very close knit. Which he comments on itself. You know, he's always saying, you know, we never socialise with anyone else. And Karen mm. particularly is like, we, we, I never knew anyone else outside this family. But every so often you get a glimpse of what it's like to encounter these bastards, mm. um, and it's terrifying. They're absolutely um, even Jimmy the gent, as he's called, because he's the one that doesn't absolutely kick the shit out of you if you meet him. Um, will absolutely kick the shit out of you if he has to and have no worries about it at all. Um, the thing that yeah. really struck me for that is uh, Sonny the Restaurateur because, um, you know, the previous scene we, we've seen Joe Pesci doing the Joe Pesci volatile thing. 
Oh my god, yes. The, uh, the funny hell scene. W- yeah, one of the many times he does that in this film. And, yes. you know, he, he, he is going to the boss to say, can you control this guy? And by the end of the interview, it's, and you, you, you would be happy to take a part, part stake in my restaurant and, you know. Uh, it's like he actually says, I, I'm begging you, you know, to take over my restaurant. And then, you know, a few shots later, his business is being stripped and burned to feed the machine. Well, that's what I'm, uh, I probably won't hold back any longer. Um, Raging Bull made no difference. I still flipping love this film. It's amazing. Um, and one of the things, sorry, that was completely <laughs> uncritical. <laughs> one of the things I like about it is I'm just, uh, more interested in organized crime than I am in boxing. It, it's just, it's more, and exa- that little glimpse of how it actually works. How you just they they asset strip basically <laughs> um it it's really interesting you find it really interesting the way it actually works behind the scenes um and how they're not just brutal killers uh I mean they are in a lot of ways, but the whole point of it, which you sort of forget is to make money that's really all it's about and make money as easily as possible without doing any work and putting yeah, a great I mean... deal of work into doing that. One one of the um, variants on, on the on the legendary of this sort of thing is it started off as neighbourhood protective society, uh, not just in Sicily but a lot of the organised crime in the states likes to say you know we were looking after the Italians, the Irish, the other immigrants when nobody else was, and it is clear that by this point, if that was ever true, it certainly isn't anymore. Yes, yes, exactly. It's now just a way to well, and that the restaurant that's fairly early in the film, isn't it? Hmm. It's just. It shows you... Well, that, that's the thing. They, they, they can hop back later to the good old days when people didn't do the drugs and stuff, but yeah. the good old days weren't that good either. They weren't that great, and then they end up firebombing the... Pla- it's Yeah, it's quite clear that there's a lot of rose-tinted spectacles here. And it, I feel it, it shows it, and it, it does every... I found the filmmaking to be much... Um, I don't know about more mature, but more interesting here. It actually almost goes through a lot of different genres from... Um, uh, from straight narration, it does a lot of jump cuts. It does uh, some very close scenes uh, where you just follow that scene around. It does some montages. It, it's very claustrophobic in a lot of places. Exa- yes, yeah, it does that really. But it plays with a lot of different, like the 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 sequence that really worked for me. I don't, if the whole film had been like it, it probably wouldn't. But by the time it happens, when we have Henry's last day. And you follow it as a good fella. Mm-hmm. Um, and you follow him round. And it does a really good job of showing his state of confusion. Um, it, it's like he's almost bouncing around the edge of the screen about to fall out of it because he's so coked up. He's so, he's so out of it. He's so, um, not firing on all cylinders in the way that he has been for the rest of the film. It's a very different feel to the rest of the film. Mm. It really works for that sequence. And he breaks the fourth wall a lot, like the moment in the, um, in the courthouse when he just suddenly starts talking to the camera right at the end as well. It's kind of playful mm. with a lot of film conventions. Uh, just just works for me here. Um, the the one that I found a little um, obvious, wearing maybe, is, is the, the freeze frame for this is a transformational moment in Henry's yes. life. Yeah, that, I think it does it probably twice too much. Or I, you don't want to About that, yeah. I mean, yeah. mostly it's fine. It's just maybe a little too bad. And that's yeah, perhaps an artifact of the editing. I think the time it was a bit too... It must have been, because the, the last one, the very last one when he's like, at this moment, it, I mean, it, you would never come back from Florida alive. In like, the diner, yeah. 
Yeah, that, 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 those, that was the pair that really leapt out at me, maybe because it's these two in, in quick succession. Yeah, and because by then you've already learned enough to know that, and it, it feels a little bit obvious. I don't, I don't begrudge it, but yeah, I agree by then. You know that's exactly what's happening, and it's built up to it a lot, and I probably don't need a, a big freeze frame moment to tell me that. But I, I don't I don't begrudge it. I think well, that, that's one of the things. I mean, if if obviously it's based on... Well, I, I think we can say that, like Raging Bull, it's a bit... Uh, this, this is what this guy said, and the reporter wrote it down with maybe a bit of editorialising, but it's not going to be a reliable narrative in the first place. Uh, but in spite of that, it's, it, n- nobody is claiming here that he saw the light. Uh, well, that's the interesting thing about Henry as a character in that you write it in the closing montage. I mean, he is, he's an interesting character, and certainly he's, he's more of a, he's a better guide to this world than Jake LaMotta, because you like, he is actually charming, and he almost shows some degree of sensitivity. You know, he, you mm. know, he's not the one. And again, this may be him narrating it, but he's not the one that goes in with the knife, and he's the one who jumps up and tries to help the kid who's been shot in the foot. I mean, he tries alone. tries to keep. Is it Murray alive? Yes, he tries to keep Murray alive, um, and so there's some. He's got some moral grounding, but by the end of it you get the impression he's learned nothing at all. He just wishes he could have got away with it and carried on living that life. Um, which, and, which and, uh, if, if you look at the guy's history after the book came out, he, he was, while in Witsec, picked up on, on a drug-dealing charge. Oh, yeah, he completely... <laughs> he got kicked out of witness protection mm-hmm. in the end. And the film... Um, I think the film... The, the closing narration where he's like, oh, I have to be an ordinary schnook just like you. Um, he doesn't know how to do that. Exactly, because he's lived this life of... Uh, I, and you've been with him, you've been through the drama and the danger, and so you, you're sympathetic to him, but you're also like, fuck you, Henry, you know? <laughs> that's, that's the way... It, and I think that's what... Uh, we've talked about what the director wants you to think, um, but I do feel here, maybe the reason I prefer Goodfellas, much prefer Goodfellas, I feel in tune with Martin Scorsese, I mean, he tries to have his cake and eat it again here because on the one hand, he's judging these guys and he's showing you what they think is ostentatious wealth is kind of actually really tacky and mm-hmm. cheap in a way. And he's judging them, but you also get the strong impression he's kind of idolizing them too. Um, and he wants to have mm. those both at once, but it sort of works for me because I, well, I, I think he has a fascination with. Yes. Not yeah. so, not so much mobsters as these kind of guys. I think it must be these kind of guys because he's done a number of films about these kind of guys. Now it happens because it's these kind of guys that they tend to choose these kind of either violent professions or um, or, or or gang related. Um, uh, but I agree, he does seem fascinated and vaguely reverent of them. Mm. Uh, but I think he's in Goodfellas at least he seems a bit self-aware of that and he, he sort of goes out of his way to show you the moral bankruptcy of these people the poorly um, the, well they're basically all this code that we're all family and we're all together um, it's bullshit and the minute there's problems they will just get thrown away yeah I mean if if the code held then it would basically mean that Billy Bats got to insult whoever he wanted yes exactly um, and they, they ought to be scared enough to let him, and because they aren't, the thing is breaking down. Well, this is, it feels like the dying 
testimony of of the mafia in a way. I mean, I don't I don't know enough about organised crime, but it feels like well, I, I think the Godfather crime, yeah. has has more of that tension between the old and the new way of doing things. It does, but, but it's definitely here. But I agree. You touched on it earlier that you're like, oh, Paulie's like, don't touch drugs. But the, in in Goodfellas, you get the strong impression. He's only not bothered about drugs because of the sentences that get handed out when you're involved in that. He's, he, he has no mm. moral, moral objection to He's not interested. In fact, you can make a shitload more money doing that, so why not? Except he doesn't want to die in prison. He would probably um, also rather his own guys are not permanently coked up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as seen by Henry. Um, Think, thinking of um, another filmmaking choice, th- oh, th- there are the two big robberies. Oh, the Lufthansa raid was... Yeah, a huge thing in, in reality. Yes. And we just don't see it. I mean, they're planning yeah, it, I'm they're getting the crew together, and then we go straight to afterwards. Even the Air France raid is basically just one shot. You could make a film about the Lufthansa raid. In fact, it, exactly. they, they have. It's been done twice yes, si- since this film came out. But all we all we know about, yeah, they're planning it, and then you see Henry celebrating it in the shower. Yeah. I don't think it's a budget. The film does not need to be longer. Um, but it's interesting. No, it, they... it's an interesting choice, because that's yeah. saying... The actual cool crime is not what this guy is about. It's not what his life is about. It's yes, about exactly. being a criminal. And what happens after the cool crime, which is just as interesting, that, you know, the paranoia, the murders, the, um, <laughs> it is, it, it's, um, uh, well, I, I did want to talk about the violent. This is a reputation of being an extremely violent film. It's not actually got a high, heavy body count as films go. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you about Did you feel it's vi- unsettlingly violent or gratuitously violent? Uh, no, but I'm not watching it in 1990. That's true. I, my impression of Goodfellas watching it now is, I suppose the thing I say about Tarantino, he's not as good as the violence as he is about the tension before the violence. And I think Goodfellas gets that really well too in that because we've seen how these people react and how it does not take much just to be jumping from you know funny banter to fuck someone's dead mm. that tension runs through pretty much every conversation they have whenever joe pesci's on the screen <laughs> um whenever any i mean they all have this quiet menace and you see what um henry hill is capable of um when there's this uh, you never quite get the backstory about quite what happened with Karen and the neighbour and whether that was an attempted rape and why she was in the car with him in the first place or quite what. Um, but it doesn't matter. Henry does not care. He just goes and absolutely beats the shit out of this mm-hmm. kid. Um, and it's, I think, the threatened Violet. The, the, the reason I'm such a nightmare watching Goodfellas is I can't help but be influenced by the... I may have mentioned this with Raging Bull, but I, there's something extremely compelling to me about the almost musical quality of the, the shit talking and it just <laughs> there is something so compelling to me what the, what's the matter with you what the fuck are you fucking and then um, another interesting aside there were there were 70 uses of the word fuck in the screenplay but <laughs> after improvisation there's 300 plus in the <laughs> in the finished version of the film yeah there's an interesting hybrid approach uh, taken by Scorsese I mean he, he gave gave the actors the, the initial screenplay and then basically yeah. encouraged them to improvise dialogue you know they, they would shoot a scene four or five times not expecting to keep it just yeah. let's see what dialogue you come up with and then having recorded that uh it would then put together a new version of the script including all the best bits that's so what we see 
isn't actually improvised on screen, but it came from a lot of improvising sessions, including the the, the sort of notorious "Oh the fuck am I funny?" Um, uh, moment with Joe Pesci, which, which apparently, or at least so he said, and I see no particular reason to disbelieve him, was more or less a thing that happened to him when he was working as a waiter. You know, he 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 said to this guy, "Yeah, that was funny," because the guy was telling jokes, and then yeah. all of a sudden he was in the crosshairs. And that is, I, I, that, that's terrifying. But that just to me, that is a a masterpiece of. I don't know about acting or what, but to me, just the tension underlying it to turn from this that's a funny story into is someone actually going to die at the end of the scene? Um, yeah, and just, and in a couple of other versions of that, he does. Exactly, uh, the, exactly. the guy who's slow bringing him a drink. Yeah, he, he ends one scene getting shot in the foot, and then he ends the next scene dead. I mean, um, it has become. A, a cliche that Joe Pesci does the volatile thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the first time he did it. I mean, he, he made this after Lethal Weapon 2. So. Uh, well, I remember him being kind of an annoying sidekick in Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah. Um, and I, but, I, 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 I saw him in this. No, I don't suppose I did see him in this one. In Raging Bull, he's a similar character, except he hasn't got the, he's almost like a combination. He's got the, in Raging Bull, he's more of a diplomat. Um, yeah. Whereas in this one, he's just got no. Here, Joe Pesci really works for me, and I, I don't yeah, know if he's ever so. going to work in another film. But here, I mean, he's got this. You get the impression he's got this kind of, uh, and I hope I'm not being heightist here, but he's got this kind of Napoleon syndrome of like, you know, I, you do not fuck with me. I might not look like much, but uh, uh, you are not. And so he, he's built up this reputation of being terrified. Yeah, and um, and you can see that. Henry would probably be happier not to have to be constantly cleaning up after his messes. Yes, yes, exactly. But but he's useful. I I don't know. I didn't feel the film was saying this, but I got at least slightly the impression that because he was the guy who had the sufficiently pure Italian ancestry, maybe Henry and Jimmy had been putting up with him all these years because he had the, you know, he could potentially be a made man and then that would elevate their little section well, of, of people into you know first rate i agree it doesn't explicitly say it but you know when um when uh tommy gets whacked and uh, spoilers Jim... <laughs> oh, so well we don't <laughs> it, i mean i think you knew that before going kind of clean yeah. into this film um jimmy is in tears mm. um and i'm sure that uh, you do get the impression partially he does love tommy but partially it's like now my group my little clique isn't going to get elevated anymore. Mm. That's the end. That's the end of that dream. Um, yeah. So what I, I absolutely agree with you. I think Tommy is put up with because of his potential, uh, at least in part. And basically, e- yes. everybody is useful until all of a sudden they are expendable. And I think that's part of the point that anybody can suddenly become expendable. Yeah. Well, this it's a fascinating to me. It's a fascinating sort of documentary, and it. Uh, I'd like to compare it to The Godfather a bit. The Godfather is all operatic, and uh, I like it well enough, but it is tedious, mm. man. I, I find it really tedious and slow. Um, here, it feels real in a way that The the, the Godfather doesn't. It doesn't kind of mythologise. The gangsters are trying to mythologise each other with these cool names um, mm. and everything, but it, the film constantly shows you the reality of... Of what that means, how they're treating their wives, how they're treating their mistresses, um, 
Yeah, I, I would like to point out, incidentally, um, no, nobody disagrees with this, uh, who, who was involved, uh, that it was Lorraine Bracco, Karen, who read the script and realised, okay, I'm basically an abused wife here. And yeah. Nicholas Pellegrini, who wrote the book, hadn't made that connection that this is basically the same pattern. Yes, there's, there's nothing to, I, and I think she, she said something like, well, like, yeah, I just am an abused wife here. This is my character. Um, and she, given that material, she does really, I mean, I, I think Henry generally does, genuinely does care for her, but that, that is, well, that happens with abused spouses anyway. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're not cared for, but you're still an abused wife. Um, Henry's not the worst. He's not as a, as bad as an example as Jake Lamotta, for instance. And I, Karen's character in um, it, it, it's weak in spite of everything, but it's not a film about Karen. A film about Karen could have been quite interesting, but it could have. Been, but she does at least escape from the kind of Madonna whore complex we mm-hmm. have in um, in Raging Bull. And again, I, I think that was deliberate in Raising Bull that that is literally all Jake LaMotta can think about women. They're either yeah. an object of desire or they're a whore. And Henry is a bit more complicated than that and more interesting because of it. And, and not necessarily, I, I think he is probably nicer than Jake LaMotta despite the murder. Um, but, um, in, he does understand and at least knows I think that's the interesting thing about Henry he knows how to act to appear and it's very well played when um, Karen pulls the gun on him that he knows exactly what to do to talk himself out of this situation mm-hmm. and as soon as he's out of it the real Henry or another uh, whoever's real whatever another Henry comes out um, uh, yeah well, um, I, I do think uh, the author does play it relatively flat I'm not saying he underplays specifically, but I think there is a certain amount of, yeah, th- this is the viewer's identification figure, and he he does yeah. seem less colourful than a lot of the other guys. He he does, I agree. Um, and maybe, maybe there's a certain amount even of, well, you know, if you were in this situation, what would you have done? I think, I, I, get, I get the feeling that's what Henry's trying to do. Mm. I, I think it's a bit smarter than that. One, in that Henry... Is charming. I mean, you can see why Karen goes for him, and you can see you're even you're, apart from the danger thing. Apart from the danger thing, and and you're kind of happy to spend time with him too, even though you've seen the kind of person he is. Um, and I think Liotta does a really good job of. I, I completely agree. Walking that just about sympathetic enough line for you to go along with him and feel like, wow, I could be this person in this situation, but also kind of breaking that and showing you actually Henry is not is not quite like you. This is what he does in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, and he has been brought up on violence and he resorts to it almost as much as the rest of them. And he's still learned nothing by <laughs> by the end of the film. I, I think it's a really well... <clears throat> uh, well, but I think Ray Liotta... I, I agree with you, he plays him flat. I, I, I would say it's a very good performance by mm. him, though. Yeah. I, I think he does a great job of it. Um, he just, he has a very difficult line to walk in that film. Um, and it's perhaps easier for Joe Pesci. Um, but he does an amazing job here. He works for me in a terrifying way, whereas he didn't in, uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to spend time socially with any of these people, but no, exactly. they, no. they come over as plausible people. And that, that, that is very important, I think. Well, how did you think about Because we talked about Robert De Niro's performance in, uh, Raging Bull, which I think we both agreed was, 
very good. We didn't think it was the greatest acting performance in the I do feel whenever an actor gains or loses weight for a role, that seems to be the greatest acting performance <laughs> of anyone ever. Um, I think he's much better here, personally. Well, he doesn't... Uh, because he is not the star. I mean, I don't want to say yes. he shouldn't have taken over Raging Bull. He does take over. That's fine. Yes. Uh, here he is not the star and he doesn't take over and that is again fine. That's what he should be doing. Yes. Um, he looks quite different. Uh, obviously he's a few years older as well. <sighs> he's just plausible as this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he does a lot of, um, I think he does a lot of, uh, what am I saying, face work in that you can tell, mm. I don't know, this moment, I, and it's not all explicitly explained by the narrative, you can kind of see when he's going to decide to kill Mori, and mm. when he kind of decides not to, and it's not all explicit, and a lot of it is, but he's he's acting there in a, in a very plausible way. It's the same kind of character, and I, I, I don't know that perhaps he has the range that I, I would consider make because he has this reputation of being one of the greatest actors ever i don't think he has an uh, amazing range well he has a decent range but he doesn't need to go towards the edges of it here yes exactly i think he does a very um it's it's not it's not a super demanding role but he does a very good job with it i I think i put it that way yeah okay that's that's fair poorly i quite liked as a character too Mm. that he's he uh, you know they almost talk about it. it was just like back in the old country he's got this kind of um senatorial aspect to him that he has these people coming and um he he's uh as as his pa- as as their patron and he just he's very this is not at all what the real paulie was like apparently he's a complete psychopath and, and incredibly <laughs> uh prone to fits of violent rage but um but here he does a really good job of he's the mo- he's almost the most benign gangster in it um but i find it well because fair, we I, don't see him doing the do- doing the bad stuff we don't seem to either. And he almost, uh, you get the impression he's got at least some sense of, uh, not quite honour. That was a very interesting moment when they're like, when, um, Henry's left Karen and they're like, you know, come on, we're not, an- I think he says we're not Animali. Yeah, we, we, we don't have divorces. We don't have to, well, you can have your mistress, no one minds, that's fine, but we're not, that's not gonna happen. Come mm-hmm. on. And he has this, uh, but that moment when he, Pays Henry off at the end, and you know that's the last. That's it. He's going to turn his back on him. I found that quite emotionally affecting. It, it, yeah, though I mean, when when we see um, in the end title that, that that he and Karen did eventually separate. Yes, there's. I'm um, for me at least, there's a certain amount of what kept them together so long, and I'm not, not sure we ever yes. really feel that, other than the, the press of the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. If it, you can feel the strong attraction at first, and then they just almost stuck together with mm. each other. And I suppose Henry at least has the decency of trying to leave her. And um, I mean, our decencies are going a bit far there, isn't it? it, it well, but at, that, that's at the least... thing. I mean, I'm, I'm very impressed with, with Racco. She, you know, she is in love with him, even as she is pointing a gun at him, and, yeah. and she shows that effectively. She has an amazing performance, and she goes on, of course. Uh, when we'll talk about influences, she goes on to have a prominent part in The Sopranos, um, after this. Um, mm. but she's, she's really, I, there isn't, were there any, I suppose it'd be quicker to say, are there any actors that stand out to you as, uh, not, not working here? Well, any bad performances? I can't tell, well, I can say yes to one of that, one part of that and no to the other part because the performance that threw me a bit, not that it was bad as such, uh, was not by an actor, Edward MacDonald. Uh, plays himself as the um, 
New York uh, Eastern District prosecutor. Who, that was who's interesting, wasn't in, it? In I the interview that. about witness protection. And for me, all of a sudden it felt, you know, one camera shot is showing these people who are actors playing a, playing a part, and I know what that looks like. And over yeah. here, another camera shot of the same office is showing an actual guy. It was an interesting point. And it was neither strangely... of these is the wrong thing to show, but putting them next to each other, it, it whiplashed me a bit between I am in, in the storytelling mode of the film and I am in the storytelling mode of watching a documentary. I said that that whole scene does feel a little different, and he's he's like sort of inappropriately uh, aggressive in a way, and it, and um, and I don't I, I'm sure that was intentional, but it, it it doesn't quite hit. I agree with you; it doesn't quite hit the right note, and I was not totally shocked when I read afterwards to discover that was actually him, mm. and, and apparently they'd been looking around his office, and he'd something like, "Oh, I'm happy to play myself if you like," and they thought, "Oh, okay, let's try that," and it, yes, I agree. Yeah, that it's not quite wrong. It just doesn't quite hit the right note mm. for some reason. It's not bad acting. He, he just looks different. Yeah, it just feels like a whole different... He's like from a different film. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Though the, the other thing that I really did want to mention is uh, celebrating the first arrest, first conviction. And that, <laughs> that, that, that is so much the, you know... If this had been this, this was the morning after the first night you went to a brothel. It would have looked exactly the same. Exactly. <laughs> he even says you popped your cherry. I mean, it's uh, it's that's a nice. Moment. That's the other thing here. I feel that is missing from Raging Bull uh, is humour, and mm. from Godfather, the Godfather. Honestly, there is there's a lot of humour in this, just in the way they're talking. And what I love about the way that, as I've said before, is the way they're talking. It's funny. To me, it's compelling to me, but it's also got this undercurrent of violence the whole way through. Mm, yeah. that you don't know which of these scenes is going to end up with someone getting shot or not. And some of them, the tension just diffuses. Some of them, it doesn't. And increasingly, towards the end of the film, the tension doesn't diffuse and it gets higher and higher. And mm. uh, I think the tempo of the film is is really well done. I'm interested at the beginning. I mean, this is a two, two and a half hour, two hour, 40 minute long film. It didn't, didn't feel over long to me. It doesn't, does it? It doesn't feel as long as, well, as many of the films we've watched. I, I'm glad it isn't longer. I don't think any film should bust three hours, personally. Peter Jackson. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, it's... That doesn't mean you get to split into two, two and a half hour parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. It, it rockets along. It's, it's, well, I, I, it's constantly changing its sort of visual style, but it's also, it's very, it's very bright and flamboyant and flashy um, uh, in a way that Raging Bull wasn't. In a way that the, the, the other counterpoint, the interesting counterpoint, is the wedding in God in The Godfather is so flipping portentous and mythical and mm. so ostentatious. Whereas we have a wedding here that's just it's kind of tacky. And I, I really like the moment, the other moment where Henry, un, uh, or I, I guess it's um, uh, Karen, reveals the new house. And it's it's the worst, it's the tackiest place you've ever seen. It looks mm. like it's off a game show, but it's it's really nicely that these this is what these people respect. Um, it, yeah, it does... I, I'm I remember vividly visiting a Catholic church on the shore of Lake Constance, uh, where the local community got extremely rich uh, by the trade between Germany and Switzerland across that whole section, and it's one of those 
obviously one of the ways you, sh- you show this is you give some money to the church you buy some more decorations for the local church and you know, it's just it's not quite solid gold only because they needed some something to be painted plaster as well <laughs> you know, the, the, the clock shows phases of the moon and, and tides and stuff it's not a tidal lake <laughs> that kind <laughs> Very of thing yeah. yes yes yeah well it's that the, the film is shot through with that it's um i i don't for me I'm at the risk of just going on about how much I like it. I, I just feel Scorsese gets the balance right for me. I'm on his side in that I find these characters very compelling and interesting. I don't particularly like them, but somehow I'm fascinated by them. And I feel that's kind of how Scorsese feels about them too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all about, I, as I see it, it's, the film is all about being the big man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and he is enthusiastic about that. Yes, but it's also not shy of showing the kind of the lie behind that and the mm. bullshit and what that actually means. I, I think it, it really tonally nails it for me with the humour, with the un, uh, intercut of violence, with the, the kind of not shying away from the deeply flawed nature of these characters, but not with Jake LaMotta it certainly didn't, with Raging Bull. And I, I keep going back to that because it was the film that it feels so superficially very similar, but with Jake LaMotta it is not shy of his um, flaws at all, mm. but they are just front and centre the whole film. They're just pushed at you, and it's relentless. You don't like the guy, but he's there, and he's there, and he's there, and he's doing this awful thing, he's doing this awful thing, mm. and it's it's just not pleasant experience. Whereas Goodfellas, it's fun and interesting, compelling, but tells you all of that too. Yeah, I, I don't think it's ever going to be a film I love. But it's a okay. film I liked a very great deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fair. For me, it is. It is. I'm I'm happy to say, I watched it last night. I could watch it again tonight. It is one of those films that I just mm. I do find. Oh, just something about it. I, and I think just the trappings of it and the, the nature. I I don't know why, but it works for me on pretty much every level. And and the the fact that it's historical and you feel like you're learning stuff. It is actually. For a film based on true events, it's, uh, and based on an unreliable narrator, it seems to be pretty close to the truth or as close as you can get to these sorts of things. I mean, there are some liberties taken, like I think, um, Tommy DeVito, who had a different name in real life, was actually a big hulking guy, not, um, not Joe Pesci, but was similarly psychopathic. Um, a lot of, some of the characters are, um, conflated, mm. um, but it's otherwise apparently very similar, at least to what Henry Hill told Nicholas Pileggi for the film Wise Guy. And this film was originally called Wise Guy, but I gather there were a couple there, of there were two other called the Wise Guys. Well, yeah, because the book came out in '86. Uh, yes. Brian De Palma made a film in '86 called Wise Guys. Yes. And there was a TV series because basically Scorsese um, read the book when he was working on The Color of Money. Quite okay. soon after he came out, but then he went off to make. He, he got the financing sorted for the, for the second attempt at the Last Temptation of Christ, uh, which okay. was the one that he did get to finish. And then he came back to this afterwards. So this this was less, you know, I've just seen this book and I want to make a film of it. As this book came out three or four years ago, and I've made another film since, and now I'm making a film of it. So it wasn't, yeah. You know, people who read books at least were aware of vaguely of what had been going on. Yes, okay. Uh, but that's why it's called Goodfellas. I, I, I can't think of it as anything other than Goodfellas, but probably Wise Guys would be a better title. Yeah, maybe. Uh, 
I also got something about the the prison scene again. I'm just going to keep like the prison scene, uh, the the moment where he's slicing the garlic so thin that it. <laughs> I just the little details like that. Just oh, I love it. I love the way they talk. Um, they're terrible, terrible people, and I don't want to be them. Honest. <laughs> it's good. I, I I like I like. I'm trying to think of something to criticise the film for, but for me, it's it's really well ed- edited. Um, I think yes, Karen's role could. Should have been bigger. Well, I, I think, uh, as I say, I think there's enough enough about her as a character that this could yeah. make a different film, and I would potentially be interested in watching that different film. But this is Henry's story. Yeah. Um, but I think also Karen gets, despite yes, the fact that she is basically an abused wife, she is she's given time and she's allowed to explain herself, and I think it's she's certainly not. Um, uh, one of the female characters from Raging Bull or from most of the other films we've watched, frankly. And again, this film passes the Bechdel test briefly in the, <laughs> that we have Karen going to the, um, Karen going to the wives. Now, a lot of the time they're just talking about their husbands, but not all the time. Uh, they're talking about how they would beat the shit out of people as well. <laughs> um, so it does. We've had a few Bechdel test passes recently. Mm. Um, I'm not saying this is a, a feminist film in any way, but, um, but it's very good. Uh, Maury's acting, the, the guy who plays Maury, very good. Uh, yes, I, I can't think of much to criticise it, um, and that's probably... It, it's like Raging Bull done right, and a lot of people have said this is the pinnacle of Martin Scorsese's career, and he hasn't really done better since. I haven't seen a film that I liked nearly as much by that director. Um, hmm. I did I did watch The Irishman, um, which is his latest foray into... Uh, that mm, it's all right. The de aging thing doesn't work for me. Robert <laughs> De Niro may look young, but he moves like quite an old man, and <laughs> that looks very weird. Oh, they'll me. fix that up next, don't worry. Oh yeah, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yes. Um, do the, you have more to say about? Well, it? The, the only other thing was that, uh, particularly at the end, um, the, the the I have to be a regular guy again. It just reminded me an awful lot about like of the way people talk. Um, when they are discovering that, yes, you did, I did in fact have white privilege and, and now somebody wants me not to have it. Oh my god, yes, yeah, I've had it so easy for all this time and now I'm not having it easy and that's not fair! Come mm-hmm. on, I want it back! I mean, I'm sure not deliberate, but it, it, it certainly leapt out at me as, as very much the same kind of phrasing. That's interesting, and you, you feel a similar level of sympathy for, for Henry <laughs> as you do for, uh, uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, every time he jumped a queue, everybody else got pushed back a place. Exactly. Yeah. So. That is. Um, yeah, I feel like that is in. I, I agree. There was certainly not men in the 1990s, but it has that kind of, oh, sadly, residence 30 <laughs> years later. Um, uh, shall we? Well, there we are. Whip through. Well, well it's, okay. Is it a masterpiece? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, yes. Um, I, if we talk about. Uh, I mean, there are so many scenes that are spoken about with reverence, like the funny house scene, like the steady cam shot into the Copacabana, mm-hmm. um, like uh, which happened apparently because they couldn't get permission to go in the front way. Exactly, it was it was he did yeah. That, so he came up with this amazing scene. Um, I, I think in terms of filmmaking, yes, uh, it, it's really uh, has, has it been widely imitated. I'm not sure. Well, we have the Sopranos. We have yeah, a lot. Okay. I, to me, it's become a bit like we said with the Breakfast Club. This is now how you betray the mafia, the, how you portray the mafiosi <laughs> um, yeah. until until you've got another reason not to. 
Um, you know, we have comedies like Mickey Blue Eyes and that sort of, they're all riffing off this. That's myth. fair. The, well, I, I suppose you, you could say that the first of that was uh, My Blue Heaven, which was uh, <laughs> Nora Ephron married Pelegi after he'd uh, written the book. Uh, yes. But they they basically shared the uh, research of the film for this film. So this is kind of Henry's Hill, Henry Hill's story after he left Witness Protection, after he entered Witness Protection, done as a comedy with Steve Martin and, and Rick Moranis. Yeah. And it, it's basically how, how he's teaching this up to, uptight uh, legal guy how, how to live. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it. It probably works very well on its own terms. I would just struggle to watch it. Yeah. Uh, in the context of Goodfellas. But I, that's not, that's not really an influence of Goodfellas so much as the source material influenced that too. Yeah. But I, I do feel Goodfellas had a strong, uh, influence over how, uh, in violence in films in some way and, and particularly how, uh, Italian American crime families were shown. You know, Donnie Brasco is, is shot through with this kind of thing. Um, I forget who did that, Donnie Brasco. Um, uh, but it's, it, I feel it became the go-to way to show wise guys mm. uh, from then on. Uh, until you, it, it's the thing to deviate from. It's the standard thing, and I think that's a sign of a masterpiece. Yeah, and um, it wasn't style making exactly, because uh, I mean, a lot of people said good things about Joe Pesci, but he was already a name who was getting major roles. As was Robert De Niro, um, and Ray Liotta did well. Uh, he did. I mean, it, it did. It, it did make Ray Liotta's name, I think. But he, he never really quite reached these heights again. That's I maybe mm. I've maybe missed something Ray Liotta's done. He's a very good actor, but he never quite, for me at least, reached these. Uh, and as I say, um, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Karen Karen's actor. <laughs> I keep thinking, I keep thinking broccoli. Which Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco. Um, uh, she did go on to have a big role in The Sopranos, which I don't know is star making, but it was it was very good. Mm. So, nineteen ninety in film. Oh, let's hear it. We're into the nineties now. Uh, so, well, first, first of all, looking at the Academy Awards, um, they, this did win uh, an Oscar uh, okay. for, for Joe Pesci for Best Supporting Actor. Ah, uh, yes, it's, I think I, it's I, fair. I, um, yeah. Dances with Wolves got quite a few. Oh, we should talk. We should talk about Dances with Wolves sometime. <laughs> um, certainly, uh, it's better than Avatar, which is basically the same film with giant Smurfs in it. Jeremy Irons got Best Actor for Reversal of Fortune about the Von Bülow case. Uh, okay, don't know that. And uh, Ghost got uh, original screenplay. Ghost got screenplay over this. Come on. <laughs> oh well, this this would have been an adapted screenplay. Okay, uh, and, right, and that, that right, was won by Dancing with the Wolves again. So, uh, right, fair enough. I uh, Dancing with the Wolves. I remember whenever something's very Oscar worthy, it puts you off a bit, doesn't it? To be honest, uh, I think this is better than Dancing. With well, the Wolves. that that's the interesting thing, because uh, if we if we go to the box office, um, number ten, Kid the Garden Cop. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Schwarzenegger Sorry. comedy. One, one of the few Schwarzenegger films in, in which the woman he ends up with is white. Uh, Wow. Number nine, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, oh dear me! Which, uh, you know, many people seem to think was great. I wasn't a fan. Uh, no. Uh, number eight, Presumed Innocent, uh, legal thriller. Uh, uh, Harrison yeah. Ford. Yeah, I remember it. Not a big fan. Uh, and talking of not a big fan, at number seven, Die Hard Two. 
which we talked oh, about yeah. a couple of episodes ago, really. It's, it's the best film so far, I would say, <laughs> which I'm not sure it's seen, but... Uh, number six, Back to the Future Part 3, which we will certainly oh, be coming hello. back to. We will. Uh, number five, Total Recall, which was a rather better Schwarzenegger film, to my, by my lights anyway. Oh, I uh, just, I don't know if, uh, if you've seen the Colin Firth remake. I have not. Not Colin, not Colin Firth, Colin, um, oh, Trevorrow. I can't remember his. Uh, but he's, um, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, stick with the original, over the top, bonkers, but proper Arnie. Proper Arnie bonkers over the top. It's very good. Uh, so number four, Dances with Wolves. I like it, but I don't know that it's age very I have never seen it. Uh, number three, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Goodness me. This is very different to how it was ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, number two, Home Alone, which is the film Joe Pesci did next after this one. <laughs> well, a lot of people, you may like it. I don't I've know. never seen it, so I don't particularly want to. I, you would hate it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, number one, Ghost. Hmm. I and remember enjoying Ghost at the time. The thing I'm, I'm really noticing here is how much... I'm, we, we've had many years in which there's basically been no overlap between the box office top ten of the Oscar winners. Yeah. And we've now got three. That is fascinating. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, huh. Yeah, and if you include I, the Golden Globes, then then you can add uh, Pretty Woman as well. Was there some kind of shuffling that <coughs> films were still out in the cinema when they got the Oscar? Or was that a chance so that people could know they were Oscar winners and then go to the cinema and see them? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think they did anything special about the timing on this. It's just well, I think it it may have been a, a change of heart in the Academy of, you know, we, we've been pushing all this stuff that makes no money, and every once in a while we, we have to admit that, my word, this film has made an awful lot of money. <laughs> Maybe we ought to recognise it for something. Oh, I can tell we're in the 90s, because the overwhelming feeling in my mind after that blast of ten films is is the word soft focus. So we, <laughs> we, must, be, we must be in the 90s now. There we go. Well... There we are. It's the end of another fucking episode of Ribbon of Fucking Memes. Sorry, I will. I won't be as intolerant, <laughs> intolerable as this next time. Don't don't worry. We 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 got we got a special reward for you. Just turn up at the place. Uh, it'll be fine. It's all sorted. Oh, amazing! That's that's brilliant. Oh, lovely. I look forward to that. I'll, should I wear my best suit? Oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs>